Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by everybody's favorite Game of Thrones theorist, Preston Jacobs, fresh out of his vacation from the Bahamas. What's up, Preston? What up, my peeps? <laughs> really? That this is how we're going to restart yeah, Fire and Blood, yeah, my peeps? That's Yeah, my peeps. <laughs> we're back. We're back to Fire and Blood. Everyone's forgotten. I'm sure everybody's just like, Fire and Blood? Who? What? Forgotten? Who oh cares? my god. That's, everybody bitches about that every time we do something else. Holy shit, it's been a thing for like the past couple of months. Yeah. yeah that yeah. and The Expanse, which we I'll I think about it. We'll, we'll, I need to we'll finish Narcos, Mexico Season 2. But, and Witcher. And, yeah, it's fuck, we need to, and Westworld. Fuck, we need to finish a lot of shit. Wow. I know, I know. It's piling up. It's piling up. Uh, yeah, it's 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 piling up. Uh, guys, welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast, uh, where we'll be discussing Fire and Blood finally. Uh, this time we'll be covering yeah. the chapter Time of Testing. As always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider checking us out on those platforms. And if you do check us out on iTunes, then please leave us a review. It'll help out a lot. Also, make sure to leave your questions and comments down below. We might cover them in the next episode of the podcast. Oh, and uh, before we begin, I just want to get these out of the way before we start. Um, if you're someone who enjoys discussing Thrones, theories, or whatever, then feel free to join my Discord, since I'm now making it public. And uh, since Preston is kind of blacklisted from a lot of Facebook groups and Reddit groups as well, and people just get banned from even mentioning him, you definitely won't get that treatment over on this one. So I'll leave a link in the description below if you're interested in checking that out. I know Preston has no intention of making a Discord or anything like that, so feel free to join mine and, you know, discuss whatever. And if you are a patron, then please remember, you do have a special Discord rank. And um, speaking of Patreon, real quick, from now on, all patrons will receive even more exclusive content. We're going to start dishing out even more stuff on there for you guys who do support us, especially now since YouTube is making it very difficult and is going crazy every time we put out videos. So we do want to show you guys who support us some more love. Some of that content will include like more Game of Thrones stuff like user submitted theories, character profiles, conspiracy, among other things. Uh, we're also doing television and more movie discussions as well and even more stuff. So if that interests you, then definitely consider supporting us on there. And don't worry if you're a fan of Preston and not mine, it's all good because I always make sure Preston puts all this stuff on his Patreon as well. So I'll leave a link in the description below to both of ours and the Discord as well. And uh, yeah, check it out. Okay, so Preston, finally, let's get into this. Uh, where did we leave off? Now, now, where where we left off, um, Jaehaerys had had gotten his um, his forbidden marriage to Queen Alysanne, and there was a freakout on dra You know, they were on Dragonstone. There's big freakout, but there's some tension. But it all is fine in the end. And now Jaehaerys is coming to King's Landing. Yes. So, as we saw in the chapter, Jaehaerys returns to King's Landing on the back of his dragon without Alicent. And this he kind of makes yeah. it a it kind of makes a spectacle of the whole thing. He flies over the city at least 3 times, and then he comes down, he's all about business. Now, now it's an, it's an important thing in that first paragraph when you read this, mm. it, it mentions that five knights of the King's Guard had come before him um, to ascertain if everything was ready. Uh, so we have to remember that um, Jaehaerys has seven King's Guard. But five of them he chose based on a uh, attorney, and so they're they're not connected to anybody because you know they were just attorney. They they just came out of attorney. In fact, four of the five are like lowborn, and so those are the Kingsguard he can trust. 
because they don't have any other allegiances. I think, you know, previous ones, he has a Kingsguard that's connected to the Faith of the Seven, and he has a Kingsguard that's connected to uh, Rogar Baratheon. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it's notable that Jaehaerys knows this shit and, like, has sent the five Kingsguard that he can trust because they have no connections ahead of him. So one of the first things he does is he has a conversation with his mother in private. Nobody knows what happened between them, but her face was red with tears. It's implied that he relieved her of her council seat. But regardless, J. Harry's gets to work straight away on remaking the small council. He keeps Daemon Valeri on his hand and Lord Corbray as commander of the City Watch, but he removes Edward Celtigar and his insane taxes and sends uh, home Prentice Tully, who was Master of Laws, and replaces yeah. him with Albin Massey. And he then appoints Manfred Redwine as Master of Ships, which apparently is the first time since the title was created <clears throat> that it hadn't gone to someone from House Valerion. Yeah, so there is a lot, a lot, 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 lot going on in all of this. So so keep in mind, again, the, the Grand Maester at the time is, is Grand Maester Benefer, not Yennefer. Uh, <laughs> so, and he... Uh, Benefer is the source for, for what um, Gildane is saying here. Uh, Maester Gildane. The, the author is George R. R. Martin, but the, real, the, but the author is Maester Gildane. But the, but the source here is Maester Benefer. Mm -hmm. And Benefer is a biased source. And we know he's a biased source because he actually, during the reign of Magor, um, uh, abandoned Magor and... Um, instead of sending out ravens that Magor had, had, had commanded. And so he is certainly about interfering with the realm's affairs. So we, we, we kind of know that like, the story we're getting on everything is, is through the eyes of a, of a very biased source, Grandmaster Be uh, Benefer. Though Benefer is probably just happy Magor is not in power, but we'll, we'll see. Um, so he uh, keep in mind that like, Benefer was also against, like, the marriages for, for Jaehaerys. And, like, uh, he was against, like, the marriage between Aegon and Dreamfire Reyna and against Jaehaerys and Alysanne. So, I mean, he's definitely trying to end a Targaryen rule. He's trying to prevent incest, which in, I think the theory is is that, you know, the, there's a genetic reason for dragon riding and, and, they're, and that they're trying to dilute the genes but, and that he doesn't want this intermarriage to create more dragon riders. So, but, so, so Maester Benefer has, uh, has an agenda here then? Oh, yeah. And, and so everything, you got to remember that everything we're reading is from Benefer's perspective. Um, and so Jaehaerys comes in and he does a few things. So he, he gets rid of Tully. Tully is, keep in mind, super religious. He's super connected to the Faith of the Seven. It's his wife that, that, that uh, was trying to convert Alysanne. Mm -hmm. So by getting rid of Tully, he's, he's removing influence of the Faith of the Seven. Um, now, Corbray, he was a former supporter of Aegon the Uncrowned and Dreamfire Reyna. Um, and so he, you know, and it, he protected Arya Targaryen as well. So he seems to have allegiances you know, Targaryen allegiances, but not necessarily Jaehaerys allegiances, mm. but nonetheless, you know. Daemon Valarian, he's, uh, that's, that's the queen's brother and Jaehaerys' half-brother. So, uh, Jaehaerys is, I'm sorry, Jaehaerys' half-Valarian. So he keeps, he keeps around, um, did he, 
You said he got rid of. He kept him around, or did he get rid of him? No, he keeps uh, Damon Valerian on yeah. his hand, and Lord Corbray yeah. as commander of the City Watch. Yeah. So you can see that, like, he kept he kept a loyal. Well, well, one, he's half Valarian, so like he keeps around Damon Valarian, thinking he's going to be loyal. He keeps around Corbray because Corbray was was very loyal to Targaryens as well. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily him, but to Tar- Targaryens. He gets rid of Tully because Tully has connections to the Faith of the Seven. And he gets rid of the the Celtigar guy because the guy just had insane taxes. Well, Celtigar is funny because Celtigar is almost too, uh, he's almost too pro-Targaryen. So keep in mind, Celtigar was, was in power under Maegor. And, so, and he urged Maegor to marry Dreamfire Reyna. He urged polygamy. Um, he, so in a sense, like, he's pro-Targaryen, but he's almost too pro-Targaryen. And so Je- I think Jaehaerys had to make some, like, he has to, you know, make some concessions here. So he's, he's throwing bones to the, to the faith, to the, to the, to the citadel, uh, to the powers in Old Town while like trying to you know push off their influence as well mm-hmm. you know i mean another thing he does that's throwing a bone to them is that i think he moves the sea power from valarian to redwine which and of course redwine is old town and everything so he's 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 making some shifts around but they seem to be compromises some things are some things like help his Targaryen position, and some things help the kind of old town conspiracy position. Right. And arguably the most important position was the Master of Coin. And I find it interesting that Jaehaerys, at first he considers someone from House Hightower, you know, old town, but he pauses yeah. on this due to, like, Hightower's questionable loyalty. And, like, honestly, I wouldn't blame the Hightowers either, considering they had sent one of their own to marry Maegor, and then, like, they were put in a weird position during the whole Faith Uprising yeah. thing, so... Um, ultimately, Jaehaerys... It's a, li- it's, a little, it's a little too much... Like, if we're talking Old Town conspiracies, like, it's too much Old Town mm-hmm. to have high towers in there, you know? True. So he sent... So Jaehaerys names a Pentoshi named Rigo Draz as Master of Coin. Yeah, and he's, he's essentially supposed to be an Illyrio clone, right? Like, Illyrio um, supposedly was doing all of this for... Uh, Viserys because he wanted to be master of coin mm-hmm. and it's like it, it doesn't really add up but you know this is this is the whole thing he's supposed to be he's, you're supposed to get these echoes of, of Illyrio with this guy and uh, the one change I find hilarious is uh, him replacing Septon Matthias or Matthias who oh like uh, I mean it's weird because it's like well in, in German they would just say Matthias Matthias uh yeah. So. But apparently, uh, but Septim Ma- Mateus doesn't take the decision well, and he leaves King's Landing like a gilded wheelhouse with like a bunch of guards and servants in tow, and just happens to pass yeah. his replacement, who is Septim Barth, on the road riding a donkey, without any entourage. Right. <clears throat> the huge, the the incredible Septim Barth, who we're going to be hearing a lot from. Mm-hmm. Um, Barth is uh, originally from Highgarden. Uh, so maybe he has connections to Tyrells. Um, he, uh, but the type, you know, the, uh, let's, but, uh, he's still a Septon. So, you know, we wonder if he has, you know, what's his loyalty? Is it going to be to Jaehaerys? Is it going to be to Old Town? Is it going to be to the Tyrells? We're not sure at this point. 
But uh, despite all that, Jaehaerys goes further down the line and replaces even more people that weren't even nobles. He replaces the harbor masters, the jailers, the rat catchers, and even had the dungeons emptied to allow the prisoners to make their own appeal. But basically, he's cleaning house. The entire a good chunk of the first chapter of the first couple pages of the chapter, he's just yeah. cleaning house just in case there were those who were still somehow loyal to either Magor or Rogar Baratheon in some way. And here's where it gets interesting. He actually summons, after all this, he summons Rogar Baratheon to King's Landing, and that makes his family nervous. Now, some of his sons want to refuse and hold out in Storm's End, while others want Rogar to take the black, but ultimately Rogar just goes there anyway. And as a, as yeah. a man of pride, you know, he kneels before Jaehaerys and basically tells him, you know, do what you need to, but, you know, he knows that Jaehaerys isn't, isn't petty, and, uh... What I like here is that Jaehaerys kind of shows how mature and intelligent he is by telling him, hey, look, you gave us refuge at great risk to yourself against my uncle. Yeah. You declared me king and called your banners to my cause, and I haven't forgotten all of that. And some may think of us as enemies, but I would consider us friends who disagreed. And, you know, in many ways, we're, we're supposed to think of Robert. You know, I think there's... there's Robert with bad... uh, Sir Barristan? Yeah, and, and how we treated... Um, how he treated the Tyrells and and the the Dornish and the and um, and the you know the, the other powers. I mean, he he comes into power and you know the, these people fought against him, but you know in the end he he kind of forgives he forgives them. And it Robert had a even though people tend to think of Robert as an idiot because all of the characters in the story claim he's an idiot. Mm -hmm. um, he was actually a pretty. He was actually a pretty uh, smart guy. <laughs> I mean, or at least average. I mean, he knew who to make peace with and how to and how to keep the peace and and who to create alliances with. And he w he would win people over to his cause. And that was Robert's that was Robert's big strength. And so you know, Jaehaerys has this strength as well. That that you know, Rogar, uh, um, uh, who man has you know was trying to essentially take the throne for himself or or be you know, the puppet ruler, he forgives him. And like I said, I, I just love the line because you think this is how people should behave, right? Including adults. But I found that in my 10 years of being an adult, petty arguments can lead to people outright hating each other. And, you know, yeah. especially on Facebook. And I'm sure you've gotten that uh, lately with like, you know, the whole political crap mm -hmm. that's been going yeah. around. <laughs> um, interesting enough, you, you so you were talking about how he let every, uh Jaehaerys let everybody out of the, the cells and sent them to the wall. Um, and I, I'm actually really fascinated that, that George R. R. Martin put that little bit in because that actually echoes a dropped plot from, from A Clash of Kings. There's, there's, there was a dropped <laughs> plot in Clash of Kings? Well, so in A Clash of Kings, there's all these zealots, these Endworld zealots that start showing up that start uh, causing trouble in King's Landing. And this is prior to Faith of the Seven stuff. This is prior to the, the Sparrow Movement. What did you call them? End World? Like End World, you know, end, end Worlders, you know, like uh, Armageddon. Oh, people, the end of the world. Yeah, the end of the world. I thought you said they, the they, letter N. No, 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 no. Yeah, End Worlders, you know, they, they think the world is coming to an end. It's about, you know, mm -hmm. a bunch of these crazy loonies. Anyway, so a whole bunch of them start appearing in a clash of kings, and they get arrested, and Tyrion sends them to the wall. Um, and 
so we, you, you'd think that somewhere in the John story uh, um, that these guys would show up, but they don't. They, <laughs> they, they just, they just, you know, it's just a dropped plot. I mean, maybe in, a, in the Winds of Winter, all of a sudden these, these guys will, will be in the Night's Watch and will be part of uh, Melisandre's cause. I don't know. But uh, it's not mentioned, like, from A Clash of Kings, like, onward. We never hear about these religious zealots ever again. Uh, so it, what's, what's fascinating, though, is that, that George R. R. Martin decides to echo it and mentions that he has these religious zealots and they're sent to the wall. And they later cause some trouble at the wall. But, like, um, you know, it, it, it's funny that he would reference or, or echo his own, his own dropped plot. Like, I don't think... I don't think that these zealots are ever going to, these Clash of Kings zealots are ever going to appear again, but who knows? It would be kind of interesting know. if they did appear again as like Melisandre's like secret supporters or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they should have arrived around the same time as Janice Slint, um, but... Yeah, it has been some time we, actually, right. Yeah, and, and a whole bunch of people supposedly went with Janice Slint to be, to be loyal to him, and we haven't really, we hear a little bit about people liking Janice Slint during the election of Jon Snow, but after that, the Janice Slint supporters also kind of disappear from the story. So, I don't know. I don't know if they're ever going to appear <laughs> either. So, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, with Jaehaerys, you know, he, he claims that it was a disagreement among friends, but obviously Rogar went above and beyond just a disagreement with him. But I love the way Jaehaerys puts it. Like, we were friends, we had a disagreement, and that shouldn't be the end of the world. And I find it sad that, you know, so often with, with some people, like I was just telling you, even in real life, you know, it's just that is the case. But he goes on to say that the realm and him both need Rogar, especially in the event that people of the faith may try to rebel again should they learn of his marriage to Alysanne. So he needs strong, good men around him that will fight and die for his cause. So he pardons all of Rogar's offenses, but on the condition that he essentially not talk crap about his marriage, his queen, and treat both women in his life, like his mother and his wife, with respect and courtesy. A true gentleman and merciful as all hell. I love Jaehaerys. Great character. I love these conditions. But the one sentence he does carry out here is rather unusual, and I kind of like it. That the men that Rogar sent to Old Town that were captured are to spend 10 years in exile in Essos. And they can go off and do whatever they want and return home if they survive and commit no crimes. Now, I kind of like this sentence. It makes an interesting story in regards to these men. and also kind of moves them out of the way. Yeah, and, and, and I believe there's an Orin Baratheon that's, that gets sent over. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the, the Baratheons are supposed to be, um, are supposed to have Targaryen blood in them through, uh, through Oris Baratheon, who is supposedly the half-brother of, of Aegon the Conqueror. And there's a daughter that survives um, from Orin Baratheon. So we have another lost Targaryen potentially uh, over in Essos, mm -hmm. which I, I believe that 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 Orin Baratheon. There's a little note that's at, towards the very end of the chapter that says he dies somewhere in like the disputed lands. Yeah, but that his daughter, his daughter somehow survives, mm -hmm. you know, and everything. So it, he just like mentioned this another another lost Targaryen. So many. Um, <clears throat> one uh, one thing that I wanted to mention and why I, I brought up. Um, Benefer's bias and Gildane's bias is there's in this chapter they flat out admit that there's a freaking double standard between that Aegon and um, I mean that Aegon and and Dreamfire Reyna Aegon the Uncrowned and Dreamfire Reyna were a problem 
and Magor and his wives uh, were problems, and him trying to uh, marry Dreamfire Rainer was a problem. Yet Jaehaerys and Alysanne is not a problem. Um, you know, we don't we don't see any rebellion. You know, we don't see faith militant. We don't see uh, people freaking out. Um, and there's this ridiculous double standard. And the question is, is you know, why is there a double standard? Like, why is why are people not rising up against Jaehaerys, but they rose up against Magor and thought Aegon the Uncrowned and Dreamfire Reyna were problems? Well, um, I will say it's because uh, what Jaehaerys does in this chapter, he's I feel like he was I feel like he's a bit more clever than those other two were. I mean, he, they claim that the High Septon's influence is a, is a thing, and he says that they sent out seven speakers to push the Targaryen doctrine of exceptionalism, mm-hmm. which sounds like a whole bunch of bullshit to me. Uh, like, seven speakers and, some, you know, some influence from the, from the High Septon, it, it, that's not going to, you know, stop an entire country, like an entire land of millions of people from all of a sudden being okay with something. Um, or, or, or the reverse. Like, you know, you could say that the faith militants, like, shouldn't have been rising up against Magor. Like, did they care that much? I mean, people are willing to die for something, and then all of a sudden, a few years later, they're not willing to die for the, for the same exact thing. I mean, it's, it's, this, weird thi- it's this weird double standard that, that is not really sufficiently explained. Like, why is the Faith of the Seven, why were they willing to go to war over Magor and Aegon the Uncrowned, but not for Jaehaerys? And, you know, we don't know. Well, I, I, I know, would assume I think, it's because I the think, war just ended, and they probably don't have as many resources as they, as they did during, like, Magor's time. Um, not to mention, I think the realm is starting to heal a little bit after Magor's reign, and they don't want to push it, especially with all the concessions that Jaehaerys is kind of giving to them. Like, he is kind of putting certain people who are loyal to the faith and to, you know, Old Town in general in certain positions, and it, it's, it's, it does seem a little bit different. Magor had more of a disrespect to the faith, and it's like, you know, you're loyal to me, Shut the hell up. Do as I say. Whereas Jaehaerys has more of a gentle touch. He's more of a... He's giving them way more leeway than they should be given. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It, maybe they're tired of war. Maybe the, the, the High Septon's influence wasn't a thing. Maybe those seven speakers were, were really uh, important and influential. But I would say that the author... And we're, we're getting in George R. R. Martin's head. Like, George R. R. Martin understands that there is a contradiction that people are acting in completely opposite manners at two different times. And he, and he has put forward a reason through a biased source, a doubly biased source, because we have Benefer and then Gildane. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that we need to question, which is why I do think that, you know, the real issue is dragon riding and dragon birthing and all these sorts of things, like the blood of the dragon. Uh, uh, and genetics is is what I think the real issue is, but it it seems to be hidden underneath this this excuse, you know mm-hmm. that uh, we cared about incest and then we didn't care about incest. <laughs> Meh. 
Well, that was one of Jaharis' problems um, after after dealing with Rogar, which he kind of threatens Rogar. And he basically tells this to Rogar that everything's cool, don't worry about it, as he feeds his dragon. Which is kind of giving Rogar and the audience the impression that, you know, if Rogar acts out again, that the entire Stormlands is his hostage. As long as he has the yeah. dragon. Um, and, I, and I see where you're coming from here, because as long as the Targaryens remain in power with the dragons, that is a problem, especially for the Faith. So I do think that the Faith is kind of like holding back a little bit and letting Jaehaerys do whatever he wants, so as long as he isn't crass like Maegar was. Um, but you're right, there, that is one of the problems he had to face. How is the realm going to take his marriage to Alysanne? So he did send out those people. Um, I believe one of the one of the uh, the 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 women and men he sent. One of the women were one of Magar's wives. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting where and, and which uh, which wife. But yeah, he does send out um, these seven people in order to. Uh, spread the word that incest is best <laughs> well, well he sends out men and women he had three so jerry's had three problems the the, the first problem was coin we need coin and that's why he replaced the master of coin with the guy from from uh, pentos uh, the second problem was we can't have another faith uprising we need to get the small people the the, the common folk to his cause so he sends out the seven people um, to essentially just tell the common folk, like, hey, look, Alisane is a great person, she's awesome, she's very kind, so on and so forth. And what I do I do like is that whenever one of the small folks says, yeah, but what about the, the incest? Jaehaerys was right on top of that, and, he's ba- and he basically educated and counseled these people he sent all over to essentially counter any argument they might make. So I think one of the arguments was, what about the incest? You know, in the Faith of the Seven, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's gross, you can't do it. And uh, one of the counter-arguments to this that Jaehaerys constructed was that the gods made us all equal, but not the same. The god made us all, but not the same, right? That, what was it? What was the, the quote the guy used? The, the, the gods made the lion and the ark, but, you know, one of them is, is they're, they're both fierce creatures, but they're both different. Is, wasn't, wasn't that the, uh, yeah. the thing? And, uh, yeah, so essentially, that's what I love. Jaharis is one step ahead. He's clever. He's, he, he's intelligent. He, he's just trying to make, he's trying to, she's trying to calm everything down as much as possible because I'm sure there are dissidents out there regardless, but this way they're not as, they're not as intense as they were with Magor. <clears throat> oh, I'm saying, but you know, if, if we are talking about like the, the old town conspiracy, you know, winning, they are, you know, they're in a fairly good position in that they're sending Septon Barth and the head of the Kingsguard is heavily connected with the faith. So, you know, it's not over. I think, in a sense, this is like a loss for the Old Town Conspiracy, but, you know, it's not over for them. They're, they're, <clears throat> they're going to try to, they're going to try to end this dragon rule. Um, and so we'll see, we'll in see way, how it In goes. one way or another. In one way or the other. <laughs> and the, the last problem that Jaehaerys had to contend with during his first year as king was his sister Reyna, Dreamfire Reyna, who had been moving about the realm looking for her own refuge. Mm. But every time they they arrived somewhere, the people were either too welcoming or not inclined to offer a place. When she did stay somewhere, she knew all those lords were after a dragon of their own. So Jaehaerys suggested that she come back to court, but Reyna doesn't want to. She doesn't want to live in his shadow, especially since her claim is a bit better than his. But all she wanted was you know, like a place of her own. All she ultimately wanted was Dragonstone and her daughter. 
And Jaehaerys would eventually give her Dragonstone as a gift, not a right, which was kind of important here. And, uh, yeah, the chapter ends with her getting these things. And, uh... Yeah. The... So, of course, we're supposed to think about Daenerys uh, with Dreamfire Reyna. Um, because, you know, obviously she's going place to place just like Daenerys and Viserys used to go. And she found that wherever she went, they, you know, they wanted, they wanted power. They wanted her dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're supposed to think the same thing because this, this is what happens to Daenerys. Um, so, we're, you know, in, in that same sense, though, we're supposed to remember that Daenerys clearly has special blood. She can hatch dragons. Dreamfire Reyna, I, th- I think at this point, if there's one thing that I'm pushing, like, uh, is that Dreamfire Reyna is super special. Later on, I'm going to push that Rhaenyra is super special. But Dreamfire Reyna is a super special woman, and everyone is trying to keep anybody and everybody from having children with her because she is, she has the ability to hatch dragons and, you know, create dragon riders and continue on the dynasty. Everything, anything and everything was done to prevent anyone from marrying her. Maegar the Cruel was not able to marry her. Uh, Aegon the Uncrowned was not able to marry her. Um, or, or, you know, be with her, and uh, Jaehaerys was not. And so um, now, you know, she's this powerful character. Well, she was, she's this powerful, she has this powerful blood, but she's going, but her politically speaking, her power is waning um, as Jaehaerys is consolidating. You know, she was the queen in the West, and now she seems to be less than that. So, you know, when Jaehaerys says, oh, you can come back to King's Landing, I mean, does she trust him? That's the one thing, is does she trust going back to King's Landing? Well, it says here she doesn't want to live in his shadow, which I can kind of understand that, since her claim right, is better. But this is also, like, the bias, right? Mm. Like, is was that her real reason? But she wants to go to Dragonstone. Now, that's what I think is interesting. What's on Dragonstone? Dragon eggs. Exactly. <laughs> So she is, she's smart. She's like, look, set, like, if she's realized that she can hatch dragons, like Daenerys can, that she's special, and she gets sent to, dra- she gets sent to Dragonstone, she will hatch, and she'll have all the dragons to herself, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I think. It's, very, it's a clever move that she did. Like Rena, her her political power is waning, and she's like, "Just give me Dragonstone." Oh yeah, sure. Oh, give me all of the future dragons. <laughs> it's funny too because it's something I've noticed. So far, only the the women have been able to um, produce more of these dragons and, and dragon riders. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, What's up with my, that? My, I mean, I I have a theory that it has to do with double X chromosomes, Ooh. but whatever the case. Um, it is true that I would say that there's, you know, um, you know, we, we know that Daenerys is special. We're pretty sure that Rhaenyra is pretty darn special. And we're pretty sure that Dreamfire Reyna is pretty darn special. Um, there might be other special people like Visenya and, 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 and Reyna, um, you know, the the conquerors, but like, uh, you know, we're we're pretty positive that these, that those three women were super special. I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't specific males that people were really against ruling like uh daemon daemon targaryen the rogue prince um people were really against for some reason and uh uh 
Damon uh, Blackfire, people are really, really freaking against him ruling. Mm-hmm. And Magor the Cruel, people are re- really super against him. So there are some men, too, that people have bias against, um, almost irrationally so. Like, when you see how much people freaking hate Damon Targaryen, you're, you're, like, you're like, what what's the deal? Jeez. <laughs> you tolerated some other assholes, but not, not the rogue prince. All right. You know, so... Maybe, maybe it's a gender thing. Maybe it's chance. I don't know. But uh, there are certain individuals that ir- almost irrationally, everyone in the story is like, no, they can't rule. <laughs> you know? It's almost like, so, the, like the Targaryens every now and then have like this chosen one who is always a female that can, that can do this special thing that nobody else can. Yeah. I mean, it's very George R. R. Martin to have that. Like, uh, you know, the dangerous women, uh, you know, we've got to... You know, people are trying to keep them down, you know, because they're too powerful. But this, uh, this, this chapter, I actually really liked. Jaharis, I could see this as like a montage type of thing. Like him just sitting down and just, okay, we're replacing the rat catcher, harbor master, master of coins, so and so forth. We're sending out seven people to talk about uh, Alisane and how awesome she is, so on and so forth. I can see this as a montage if they decide to adapt this. Um, as like a television show because we still don't know where, where Fire and Blood's really going to take place. Um, I think a lot of people are, are telling, are saying that it's going to be all about the, um, the the Dance of the Dragons. I hope it just covers all of Fire and Blood. So if they do cover this, yeah. I hope it's a montage because the guy's clever. I, I, I'm actually really starting to like the, the character of Jaehaerys. Yeah, I mean, it, he's, he's an interesting character of like in, in between all of these wars where people have agendas, Jaehaerys is playing the comp you know he's this con- he's the conciliator like he's able to work the system and be political and and um survive and rules for you know what 55 years or something you know so it's uh <clears throat> you know he he's he's a, he's a smart one he's a smart one i don't know if we have a a targaryen who is as smart and savvy as jaharis and alisane and I, I gotta say, man, I do love the whole, uh, the faith is behind the whole thing. Because for you, it really seems like the faith is just like this hidden enemy here that uh, everybody's not really paying attention to. <clears throat> Granted, I, you know, my, I might be, you know, down a rabbit hole of confirmation bias, but it's just, you know, when I read through this and I, and I, and I see just everyone irrationally doing certain things, like ir- just being so irrationally against Dreamfire Reyna and later being so irrationally against Rhaenyra. You know, you just got to say, well, what's the reason? Like, there's got to be something. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the excuses that they're giving, just, they don't add up. You know? Oh, they can't get married because of incest. Ah, uh, but later incest is fine. Uh, it's just, it just doesn't, you know, and especially when we get to, I mean, down the road, we're going to get to Rhaenyra, where they're like, oh, you know, who do we want to rule? Is it going to be the Rogue Prince? No, we're going to choose Rhaenyra. But then we're not going to choose Rhaenyra. You know, and all of these things, you're like, oh, God, like, there's no logic to anything that they're doing. And so you've got to find, you've got to search for some sort of logic. And, and the only thing I could think of is is the genetics and the dragon riding. Well, but at the same time, though, incest is a problem until they fight about it. And then the whole realm goes goes downhill. And then, you know what, maybe, maybe let's just give them the incest just one time. Yeah, and that, but then incest is a problem again, you know, and then it's not a problem, and then it's a problem again, and it, like they they vacillate on 
on it constantly. But, but at the it's same time, it also ridiculous. depends on who's doing it, right? Because you're more inclined to, to, to uh, attract more, uh, what is it, with, with more with more flies with honey than with vinegar, something like that? What was yeah. it? Like, like it really, I, I guess at the end of the day, the people who are saying incest is horrible, it really depends on how you treat those people. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous to me that, that your, your previous ruler, I mean, you, you, I mean, you had Aegon the Conqueror and he was a polygamist mm. and then not, not, you know, he, he's dead only a few years and Magor wants to do the same thing. And they're like, no. And then they're like, you can't. And then they says, okay, Magor wants to marry his niece, which by the way, is completely fine in Westeros. All right. Uncles marrying nieces is completely okay. But all of a sudden they're like, oh, incest. Like, up at, I mean, in A Dance with Dragons, like, like Alice Karstark is running away from an uncle-niece, like, mm. marriage. Like, it happens. So, all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, Magor marrying Dreamfire Reyna is a problem. Uncle-niece? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. But the, And they're like, oh, it's incest. You can't. That's not incest. Not, not according to, like, Westerosi, like, standards. But then later, a brother and a sister, that's clearly incest by all definitions, is fine. And it's, it's, uh, none of it adds up. <laughs> none of it adds up. But overall, I really liked the chapter. I thought it was a good chapter. Um, kind of a short chapter, actually. But to, to get the point yeah. across that Jaharis is a very clever and savvy guy. Uh, did you really enjoy the chapter? Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. But again, like... You know, I'm I'm sitting there going through it, going, ah, oh, come on, this is so obvious. But again, I might I might be just, it might all be confirmation bias. So, you know, I don't know. But if if, if <laughs> I mean, if you're listening to us, you're probably like, you know, on my side <laughs> rather than being against it. You know, but uh, that's what I just see. It's just getting hit over the head, over and over and over again with the illogic of of what's allowed like morally speaking in in uh in westeros and trying to come up with a, an excuse why and i will say I, I do find it kind of interesting that there's like this hidden agenda with the faith and how much they hate the targaryens and and plot their downfall however it, i i gotta say i noticed as we continue on and as the targaryen dynasty goes on towards the mad king you don't really see the faith popping up being a thorn in the targaryen side anymore well i mean one big thing is they kind of win you know, they they kill off the dragons and then they exile the Blackfires who might have the special who might have the special blood. And after that they thought they were pretty much safe. Like the the Targaryens, you know, that were ruling didn't didn't really produce any dragons. They didn't have any dragon eggs left even. Um, and so at that point you can kinda say, huh, victory and you can rest on your laurels. They didn't know that Daenerys would have the power and then go off and be given dragon eggs as a as a wedding gift. Um, I mean, that's that's a lot of unusual situations at once mm -hmm. to bring back dragons. You know, the fa they could have been very comfortable with the fact, like, hey, we won, we got rid of Targaryens. Like, you know, Robert's rebellion even happened. You know, we we Robert. I mean, it might have been a multi-step process. Like, get first off, get rid of dragons. Then get rid of dragon eggs, get rid of Targaryens that might have special genes, then get rid of Targaryens, period, and then hooray. <laughs> you know, that, 
Um, Robert's, Robert is ruling. Hooray. Um, but who knows? We shall see. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be all explained in, in, in the Sam chapters. You know, it's funny that you say that because now I'm really excited to see when Daenerys lands, probably in Dream of Spring, um, because you know there's probably going to be some like some some insane bullshit going on with the faith now that the faith militant is back Daenerys is probably gonna yeah. uh, you know not get a warm welcome from them either if what you're saying is true that they have a bias against the targaryen dragon riders yeah i mean i suppose aegon's gonna hit him is gonna have his problem with him first so uh we'll see unless unless young, the, young the, Griff, the show yeah. does uh unless the books did what the show did with cersei blowing them all up just blowing them all Just blowing up. Blowing them all. Like I, I always found that kind of annoying. Like Cersei could have blamed it on Daenerys, you know, and that that yeah, could have been a whole absolutely. thing, considering yeah. you know fire, dragons, and I mean, would have been great. Would have yeah. been great, but uh, whatever. Uh, Preston, are we done here with the fire yeah, and sure. blood? Because uh, uh, yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed the chapter, and I'm kind of kind of glad we're getting back into fire and blood. But watch as soon as we release this, it's gonna George R. R. Martin's gonna announce when's the fucking winter. <laughs> What is it, the year 2025? What? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we were back on uh, the uh, Fire and Blood train. Don't worry. As for Witcher and Picard, we'll be still doing, we'll still do Picard. Um, we're just going to do it like every other week or so. And as for Witcher, you want to start doing Witcher too? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got through it. I'm ready to talk about Witcher. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to be, you know, you know how like, I'm re- you're the expert, so I get to ask you the questions. Oh, Lord. You know? I haven't read, read all the books. I'm only, only the ones have been translated into English because it's Polish, so. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, but Preston, thank uh, you so much for joining us. Guys, thank you as well. Uh, we'll see you next time for the next episode of the Fire and Blood uh, Game of Thrones podcast. And as always, thank you so much for watching or listening. See you next time. Have a good one.